Um, okay. So I'm starting also. <laughs> I don't know how you start messages. Yeah. We'll see where this goes. Um, okay, so we've had, I've had this, I, I really just kind of wrote on a bunch of notes and this is kind of just like unloading everything that the Lord has been speaking to me and that I've been kind of working through and so could be terrible for you who knows but um and just this been thinking about a lot about um like my idea of jesus and can everybody hear me okay or am i yelling this is hard i don't know how you do this every week outside we should be inside just kidding much easier in the ground anyways um my idea of the Lord versus who the Lord actually is. And have I been making up a God that doesn't actually exist and not even knowing it and devoting my life to serving that. Um, and uh, not to like, I don't know, there's this, I don't even know who said this or if this is the real quote, but um, like if left up to ourselves, we will create a God that does not exist. And um, I've seen that in my life and I've seen it in other people's lives. I've seen it in the, the church I've seen it and everybody who believes in God and um but really correcting it in myself and bringing it out and and kind of searching those things in my heart with Holy Spirit of have I created a God that doesn't actually exist this is not this is not the God that is in the Bible this is not how that God would re respond this is not the words that that God would speak these is not the things that that God would do so I'm creating my own God this God that doesn't exist um and I want us to like really think about that tonight. Are, are we doing that? Not we as a church, but individually. Um, and then like, where, where did I get that God from? <laughs> like the, what I think about God, like in my head, when I think about God, is that from him? Like, did he tell me those things about himself? Did he show me those things about himself? Or was it man who showed me those things about God? And maybe they're not actually true. Um, and so really like the first question I want to this week, really think about like, am I creating and serving a God that doesn't exist? And when I think about God, are, are those things true? When I think about the way that God responds to me when I sin, is that the God that is portrayed in scripture? Or is that something that I have adopted as my own mindset from man? Um, and a big part of this is the Lord's voice. When we think about hearing the Lord's voice, do I picture something immediately of how it should sound? Because if so, then that's very dangerous. <laughs> when I think about hearing the Lord's voice, I should just see his face and, and his character. And then this ability of him to speak however he wants to, whenever and wherever he wants to. Um, and um, when I'm like thinking about, well, I'm trying to hear the Lord's voice and I want it to sound a certain way, then I'm creating my own God. And then I'm going to sit around waiting for that, for my own God to show up and he's never going to, and then I'm going to be frustrated. And it's this endless painful cycle of, of me creating this in my head from what I think God should sound like and what I think God should do and what I think God should look like. That's actually myself. <laughs> and I'm enthroning something that's not Holy Spirit and I'm enthroning something that's not the Lord and then I'm just frustrated because nothing's happening or maybe something happens but it's not sustainable it doesn't last and then it crumbles and then we're like what the heck and it's like because that wasn't actually God to begin with I just made it into a God is this making sense mm -hmm. it's very easy to make something into a God without us even realizing it and we're like well we're Christians we don't serve other gods but we do and we need to realize it and stop um, and I want us to start thinking the way the Lord thinks. And when I say that, think the way he thinks, I want us to think wisdom. Okay. That's my definition, but I want us to think about wisdom as like thinking the way that the Lord thinks. Um, and like when, if I'm living in a way that I'm serving this God that I created myself, then heaven on earth is non-existent. Like there's no way that could possibly exist. But if I'm really 
create, if I'm living in this new reality that scripture actually like literally hands to us on a silver platter, then I am able to live in heaven on earth and not in this um, reality that I'm creating myself. Um, so let's turn to first Kings chapter three, verse 16. What was it? First Kings three sixteen. What was it? <laughs> it's a speed run. What did you say, Zach? So it's a speed run right now. Disregard. Was it 1 Kings 10? <laughs> Is there a fly in your room, Zach? What? <laughs> 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 All right, someone want to read verse 3, 16 through the end. Oh my gosh. Same. He's reading. Then two prostitutes came to King's to report. One woman said, Oh my Lord, this woman and I live in the same house, and I gave birth to a child while she was in the house. Then on the third day after I gave birth, this woman also gave birth, and we were alone. There was no one else with us in the house, only we two were in the house. And this woman's son died in the night because she lay on him. And she arose at midnight and took my son from beside me while your servant slept and laid him at her breast and laid her dead son at my breast. When I rose in the morning to nurse my child, behold, he was dead. But when I looked at him closely in the morning, behold, he was not the child that I had born. But the other woman said, no, the living child is mine and the dead child is yours. The first said, no, the dead child is yours and the living child is mine. Thus they spoke before the king. Then the king said, The one says, This is my son that is alive, and your son is dead. And the other says, No, but your son is dead, and my son is the living one. And the king said, Bring me a sword. So, oh, it's this one. so a sword was brought before the king, and the king said, Divide the living child in two. Give half to one and half to the other. Then the woman whose son was alive said to the king, Because her heart yearned for her son, Oh, my lord. Give her the living child, and by no means put him to death. But the other said, He shall be neither mine nor yours. Divide him. Then the king answered and said, Give the living child to the first woman, and by no means put him to death. She is his mother. And all Israel heard the judgment that the king had rendered, and they stood in awe of the king, because they perceived that the wisdom of God was in him to do justice. Okay, close your Bible. Does anybody? Zach, I said close your well. That's your journal. Okay. Um, does anybody know anything about King Solomon? Okay, great. So he's known for his wisdom. Okay. Didn't he write Proverbs? Yeah. And Proverbs? Yeah. He wrote Proverbs. He wrote Song of Solomon. Ooh, Half of it. So, um, King Solomon is known for his wisdom. Do you guys know how he got so wise? But like, why? Okay, great. We'll get there. Um, okay, so through Solomon's wisdom. Okay, so basically, sometimes when I read a story that I've never heard before. I'm like, wait, what actually happened there? So let's recap that. Two women had two babies at the same time. They were both sleeping with their babies. One of the women accidentally suffocated her baby in the middle of the night and so took the other baby as her own and put the dead baby by the other woman. And then they woke up and the other woman was like, this baby's dead, but it's not mine. You took my baby. And they're fighting about it. So they go to King Solomon and he says, okay, this is what we're going to do about it. Um, we either, you can keep the baby, like to the lying woman or you can cut the baby in half and you can each have half and 
the woman whose actual baby it was, was like, no, I don't want you to cut the baby in half. Like she can have the baby. Like she would rather that woman have the baby and give her baby up than for the baby to die. And so Solomon was like, okay, then it's your baby. Cause I can, I can tell your heart. Um, does everybody follow that yeah. and catch that? Um, so through King Solomon's wisdom, their, their hearts were revealed. Okay. Um, he was thinking the way the Lord thinks. It's not just about being smart. Wisdom is not about being cautious. It's not about um, making good choices. It's about thinking the way the Lord thinks. When he's thinking the way the Lord thinks, it reveals somebody's heart. And it reveals the root of the issue. It's not about getting them to tell the truth about whose baby it was. It's about revealing the heart. We've talked a lot here about the roots, you know. How am I ever supposed to stop doing something if I don't get to the root of it? How am I ever supposed to figure out anything uh, without getting to the root of it and getting rid of the root or else it's just going to keep coming back like these freaking Canadian thistles weeds out there in our backyard. Um, they're everywhere. Um, okay, so through Solomon's wisdom, their hearts were revealed. Um, and that's what I want to kind of grasp about wisdom. I don't think we don't talk a lot about wisdom and we just kind of think, oh, well, it's just like kind of a cop out of like just being cautious, but it's actually just thinking the way the Lord thinks. Okay. Um, do you think it sounds in like earthly terms, very wise to want to chop a baby in half? <laughs> no, but it wasn't about that. It was about the heart. You know, he's looking past something. He's looking past this one thing into the heart because that's what the Lord does. Um, and I think that a lot of times we are good at like seeing other people's hearts, you know, and we're like, oh, I know that they're acting like this because they were hurt in that area. But what about our own? Like, are we like, I'm pretty messed up in this area and I can see it in my heart that I have this bitterness in my heart. And, you know, like, are we really examining our own hearts and like, and looking at the fruit of our lives and be like, okay, where's this fruit coming from? Is this fruit coming from a broken heart? Is this like rotten fruit that's, or maybe it looks really great on the outside, but it's crap on the inside, you know, it's a facade. Like, and is that the way I'm living my life? You know, like, am I looking at my own heart and, and examining like, are these fruits coming from a God that I created? Or are these fruits coming from Holy Spirit? Um, like with God-given wisdom, thinking like he thinks the heart is revealed. Um, do I have a mother's heart? In this story, he said, you're the mother. Like I can see your mother's heart. Um, a mother's heart, a father's heart, a son, daughter, or this fake. Do I have a fake heart? Okay. That I'm creating. Okay. Not because anybody did something to me or anything like, or because the like Lord doesn't love me. No, it's because of things that I'm creating in my own mind and coming, birthing in my own mind that are not of the Lord. Okay. Um, so God-given wisdom is not always, well, hold on. I don't want to say that yet. Um, okay. So in this story, the mother's heart was willing to give up her child so her child could live, even though she knew that like it was going to a lying, cheating woman, you know? But she was still like, it's better for you to live than die. And she was willing to give up that part of her. And I want, I know Lex has kind of touched on this before, but I want us to all kind of have this like mindset of like, okay, we should all have that mother's heart. I don't care if you're a guy or a girl, doesn't matter. We should all have this mother's heart, this father's heart, this son, this daughter. Why? Because it comes from the Lord. The Lord is the one that enables us to have that heart. The wisdom of the Lord is the one that reveals that heart. And if I have a mother's heart, I'm willing to give up my child. I'm willing to give up something for the better of something else. You know, I'm, I'm thinking the way the Lord thinks. Okay. I'm not creating a God that doesn't exist. I'm not hoarding these things for myself and not, that's not mine to keep, you know? Um, so one, am I creating a God that does not exist? Um, two, if I think about God and then compare it to scripture, does it line up or are there gaps? And three, um, do I have a mother's heart as in this story? Okay. Um, so in this, in this instance, God did not give Solomon a word of knowledge of whose baby this was. He did not tell Solomon that it's her baby, but instead he gave Solomon this literal God given wisdom to 
reveal the mother's heart. Not to get the truth, not to, well, yeah, eventually to get the truth, but not for like somebody to say like, I'm lying, but he literally just used wisdom to reveal their heart. Um, so we talked a little earlier about the way we think the Lord's voice should sound. What if we like completely threw that out the window? And I think we get hung up on the word voice. If we say voice, then it has to be him speaking as I am speaking right now. It has to sound like that. Okay. But don't you think that that was God speaking to Solomon, you know, God speaking through Solomon, God using Solomon, God downloading the way that he thinks into the way Solomon thinks. And if I, it doesn't always come as a word of knowledge. Okay. And we can spend our whole lives waiting for a word of knowledge and miss everything else the Lord is saying. And that is so tragic. And sometimes it comes as a word. Okay. But sometimes it doesn't. And this time the Lord gave him wisdom. And if Solomon didn't have wisdom, then he wouldn't have been able to, to reveal that mother's heart. Um, and if I spend enough time with the Lord, then I know what's him and I know what's not. And it, it, it becomes less about what he sounds like and it becomes more about who he is. And I know that's who he is. So I know this is his voice. Okay. Instead of, I don't know if that sounds the way I thought it was going to sound and something, you know, we get so caught up on that, but what if we get so caught up in, in hearing his voice, quote unquote, that I miss every, that I miss the wisdom he's trying to download me, that I miss everything else he's trying to do. Cause I'm trying to match it up to something that I heard somebody else say one time. Um, so like I said, it's kind of easier to pick apart somebody else's heart <laughs> and to be like trying to make sense of why somebody else acts the way they act or, or says the things they say. But it's so much more important that I'm doing that to my own heart and not, um, and not letting these things slide. Okay. I don't have time to serve a God that I created. I don't, I can't, it's not, I don't have the time. I have to spend my entire life serving the Holy Spirit that is laid out over and over and over in scripture and not the one that I'm trying to piece together myself. Jaden, I'm sorry. I'm just staring at you. I'm trying to look at everybody, but, <laughs> um, okay. So when we have this God given wisdom, it reveals the heart. It reveals these mother and father hearts that the, that, that are modeled straight after God himself. Okay. Doesn't that sound kind of like what God did giving up his son to, so somebody else could live that didn't deserve. Yes. Hmm. Um, so it's not about giving birth to a baby. That's not what makes you a mother. God makes you a mother. God makes you a father and this father's heart to, to the world. Okay. Not just to your, um, offspring, but to each other and to the world. Why? Cause it's modeled after God himself. Um, so these mother and father's hearts can see what's broken and understand why and then how to respond um, to that brokenness. And then in ourselves, it's easier in ourselves, easier to see it in other people, but I really want us to focus on ourselves. Okay. And not just like going home and be like, okay, God, just search my heart. Oh yeah. I should probably like work on that area. No, that's like a completely missing the point. Okay. This is like literally laying down everything that I am. And letting God fill me with everything that he is. Okay. Is this making sense? I know it's kind of like a bunch of different things pieced together, but I warned you. So you still sat here. So, um, okay. So let's go back to King Solomon and how he got wise. Do you know the moment that he got wise? And how, you know, so we're going to back up. I love doing this. Now we're going to read the first part of first Kings. I always read scripture backwards. Okay. So now we're going to read, or sorry, is it first Kings, right? Yeah. First, I wrote down second. So now we're going to read first Kings in the beginning of the chapter verses three up until 16. We already read 16 and on. Just kidding. <laughs> 
is it? Now we're going to read the beginning of chapter three. Three through six. We're not reading one and two. It's true, we're not. So. Anyone? I can't. Did Jan? Oh, you did? I can't. You guys want to fight over it? <laughs> it is kind of long, so you could do half and half if you want. Just somebody read it. Okay. <clears throat> All right. Now Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of his father David, except he sacrificed and burned incense on the high places. The king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the great high place. Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. In Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream at night, and God said, Ask what you wish me to give you. Then Solomon said, you have shown great love, love and kindness to your servant David, my father, according as he walked before you in truth and righteousness and uprightness of heart toward you. And you have reserved for him his great loving kindness that you have given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. Now, O Lord, my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father, David. Yet I am but a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in. Your servant is in the midst of your people, which you have chosen a great people who are too many to be numbered or counted. So give your servant an understanding heart to judge your people to discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? It was pleasing in the sight of the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. God said to him, because you have asked this thing and have not asked for yourself long life, nor have asked riches for yourself, nor have you asked for the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself discernment to understand justice. Behold, I have done according to your words. Behold, I have given, I have, I have given you a wise and discerning heart so that there has been no one like you before, like you before you, nor shall one like you arise after you. I have also given you what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that there will not be any, any among the kings like you all your days. If you walk in my ways, keep, keeping my statutes and commandments as your father David walked, then I will prolong your days. Then Solomon awoke, and behold, it was a dream. And he came to Jerusalem and stood before the ark of the covenant of the Lord and offered birds offerings and made peace offerings and made a feast for all his servants. Okay, so how did Solomon get wise? He asked the Lord for it. Yeah, he literally asked for it. But first, he went through a 10-step program, and then he had to spend four years in school, Ooh. and then he had to serve under a pastor. And I'm not and he had to be 30 years old. Those things are not bad. But I'm saying we can literally ask for it. God says ask. Solomon asked, and then he was, you literally said he was known for his wisdom. We didn't even know that he asked for it, but we knew that he was wise because he asked for it. He literally said, oh God, you've done all these things. You've like, you've saved me. You literally, he listed off all the things the Lord has done for him. So he's praising the Lord. And then he's like, but I don't want, I don't want any of these things for myself. I want to just be able to know how to serve you better, God, by understanding your people and how to minister to your people better. So he's literally laying down everything he is and asking the Lord to fill him with everything that he is, with what everything that the Lord is. And that was wisdom. Okay, so this classic like hallmark story of wisdom with cutting the babies in half, like that literally happened because he asked. You think you have ability, you have a mouth ability to speak, then you have the same opportunity that Solomon did. Okay, so why don't we ask? And it's not just goes for wisdom. It's all these things that the Lord is. Everything that the Lord is. Ask.
So Lex called me at like two o'clock and said, do you want to preach tonight? And I was like, absolutely not. And I was like, nothing to say, don't want to preach, kind of like in a bad mood. And um, he was like, well, I think you should. And I was like, no. <laughs> and then I texted him like two hours later and I said, okay, I'll preach because the Lord kind of convicted me and, and I knew what he wanted to talk about. But I've also just been like really frustrated with just like thinking about things in the past that have happened from Christians and things that I see Christians saying today and just like all these things from people that I really trusted and, and knew and thinking like almost letting it turn me off from the Lord. And that's so wrong. Don't, please don't do that. Um, and I was just so frustrated and, um, with Christianity that I was like, so I was like, I'm not preaching. Like no part of me wants to preach right now. Like I'm so done with Christianity. And, um, like I said, please don't do that. (laughs) Um, the Lord has built his church all over the world for a reason. It's not just for one person, but, um, and I was just so done. And then the Lord convicted me and of, okay, I need to just forget about, I just need to look at the Lord. I just need to look at Jesus because Jesus is not the one I'm frustrated with, you know, Holy Spirit's not the one I'm frustrated with. And if it is, then you're not looking at, you're creating your own God. If you're frustrated with God, like he's not somebody you should be frustrated with. I'm sorry. You know, I'm serious. Like God is not the one that we should be frustrated with. And if there's something else going on, if we are, and we need to seriously take a step back, but that's beside, that's another conversation. Um, what? Yeah. Um, what? What did you say? Um, well, I mean, I'm just going to say it. So like earlier I said, if I'm creating this God that doesn't actually exist and I'm going to sit around waiting for something to happen that I think should be happening, that's not going to happen because I created it in my own mind. And then I'm going to get super frustrated. That's where the frustration comes from. If I'm frustrated with God. Okay. God, this mm. idea that I think should be happening that God never actually said. Okay. Yeah. Cause God is perfect. How could I be frustrated with something that's perfect? Mm. You know, does the Bible not say that? I mean, like, I'm not trying to tell you that you don't believe in God, but like sometimes we focus on the wrong thing. Okay. Still believe in God. Lord still loves you. We all do this. Okay. And that's the part of sensitivity that Lex would not have added into his message, but (laughs) we can all laugh. It's okay. (laughs) Um, So Jesus, what'd you say? (laughs) But seriously, how could you be mad and frustrated at something that's perfect? Um, So Jesus is not the one I'm frustrated with and Jesus's heart has not changed. It has not changed one single bit. The words that Jesus spoke have never changed ever. And they never, ever will. Um, My heart is the one that hardens. My heart is the one that changes. Um, But his words are the same. Okay. Um, Jesus is the one who literally shook my bed in the middle of the night one time. And woke me up with a vision of me standing on like one piece of solid ground and everything else shaking around me and a whirlwind around me and saying the world is going to shake and crumble, but you will not. And Jesus is the one who sat next to me next to a cardboard box in my room when I was 10 years old, pleading for my dad to not do something crazy when he was drunk. Like Jesus is the one that listened when I said, I'm done living this life and wherever you're going next, I'll go with you. I don't care where it is or what's do like, I'll go you know, almost like a road trip with your friends. Like, I don't care what it is I'm going. And Jesus is the one, guys, sorry. (laughs) Oh, didn't think I was going to cry. I might have to finish this for me. I rubbed off on you. My bad. Yeah, Zach, what the heck? Okay. Um, Jesus is the one who stood next to me every single time. I was embarrassed of my dad to show me what a perfect father was. This is literally things that actually happened, guys. Like, on the sidewalk, this sounds like I'm nuts right now. Jesus, I was, like, 
I think I was in like second grade and my dad picked me up from school and his bike broke and he flipped his bike over and was fixing it. And all my friends were walking by and I was so mortified and literally saw Jesus standing right there next to me, just standing there. You're like, I'm, I'm the perfect father. You don't need to be embarrassed of your father. And Jesus is the one who walked me through fire and my family through fire to make sure that we were untouched. And he's the one who literally stopped the earth from shaking under my feet one time in an earthquake that actually happened multiple times. And Jesus is the one who pulls out a chair for every single one of us at his table, no matter where we're coming from before. And Jesus is the one who made me a nurse when I swore up and down, I would literally never be a nurse. <laughs> And Jesus is the one who built a marriage out of two really broken people and paid our bills to keep this house. And Jesus is the one who protected my heart and my mind when my family was crumbling so that I would remember what it means to be a daughter and a mother and a friend all at the same time. People didn't do that for me. Jesus did these things. The church didn't do that for me. People didn't do that for me. Lex didn't do those things for me. Jesus, like how could I... How could I be frustrated with that, you know? How could I not just like be like, yeah, God, make me more like you, you know? How could I hang on to these things that I'm creating in my own mind that I know are not of the Lord? When this is like, this is what Jesus is like, these things. Like this is literally what he does all the time. He doesn't make you jump through hoops. He doesn't make your life harder than it needs to be. He's not confusing at all. People are confusing. So if you're confused and frustrated, you're looking at people, not at the Lord. A man who literally walked this earth did those things for me. And will do way more than that for me too. And I don't want anything that's man-made because those things are not man-made. No man can stop an earthquake. No man can take a six-year-old girl who thinks it's normal for her dad to be strung out on coke in prison and, and be like, it's okay because I know the Lord. No man can teach a seven-year-old that, you know? I started asking the Lord for things at a very young age. And then I saw that, oh, it happens. He wants me to ask. The Lord was pleased that Solomon asked. He said it pleased the Lord. So why wouldn't we? We think when we ask, we're like, oh, well, maybe it's not going to happen. The Lord is happy about it, okay? He was excited that Solomon asked for that. Don't you want to make the Lord excited? Think about if you've ever tried to teach somebody something. And you really want them to get it. And you really want to pass this thing on to them. And they start asking questions and they're engaged. And you're excited about that. That's the Lord. We need to stop thinking about the Lord as this unreachable idea. He's a freaking person who is like this. <laughs> He's not confusing. He's not frustrating. He's not far away. And he's not man-made. But I have many man-made ideas that I adopt and make room in my heart for. I clear out things of the Lord to make room for man-made things. And I kind of adopt them and like, yeah, I'm going to make this a part of my life in a way that I, in the way that I think. I'm going to build these pathways in my brain over and over again that reinforce these man-made ideas. And they don't last. And they need replacing and then I replace them with more man-made ideas. Like... God is confusing. And like I need an audible voice of the Lord in order to take a next step in my life because I don't trust the wisdom that he's given me. I only trust it if it looks like something that a story that I heard this famous pastor say. And so now I'm only going to listen to the Lord if it sounds like that. That's man-made. It wasn't for that pastor. But now that I'm adopting that and saying that that's the way the Lord sounds, I just made that. Okay. Does this make sense? Yeah. So I'm not saying that other people's testimonies are discounted, but when I adopt those as this is, this is what the Lord looks like now, yeah. instead of just asking the Lord for things like wisdom and asking the Lord for things that he looks like that he has anything of the Lord, 
ask for it, okay? Don't ask the Lord for things that aren't of him, okay? Not, I'm not telling you just ask and you shall receive and you get a new car. No, that's <laughs> full crap. Anything of the Lord, ask for it. Why wouldn't I when he does these things and looks like this? And then, or I could be in this endless painful cycle of adopting these man-made ideas over and over and over again and, and trying to, and then being frustrated about why I'm not seeing the Lord move. I want to think like God thinks, and I want to hear his voice no matter what form it comes, okay? And I want to believe that it's his voice no matter what form it comes. He spoke a lot of different ways. And I want to fear him enough to listen no matter what form it comes in. If I don't fear the Lord, then I'm like, eh, kind of discounting that because it didn't, didn't sound very cool. It didn't sound like I thought it would, and it didn't make me feel like I thought it would. It's very dangerous. Who am I to tell the Lord what he should do based off my feelings? You know, he's God of heaven and earth. I can't, I can't dictate God based on my feelings. Well, it didn't make me feel very warm and fuzzy inside, so maybe it wasn't the Lord. Is that really how I'm defining the Lord is my feelings? Or am I defining the Lord based on what scripture said that he freaking parted seas to deliver his people, you know, like that he created the mother's heart and the father's heart and that he wants to give us wisdom to reveal those. And if I don't fear the Lord, then I'm not going to listen to certain parts of him. But if I truly fear the Lord and if I spend enough time with him, then I'm going to listen no matter what form his voice comes in. And if I truly fear the Lord, then I'm going to, when the Lord asks me what I want, first I'm going to respond in praise like Solomon did. Like, how could I ask for anything more, God, because you've done this, this, and this, and this. Oh, but I see this part of you, so actually can I have that too? Not, hmm, what would make my life better? <laughs> Solomon literally was like, how could I minister better? How could I look more like you, God? God is not like, uh, how do I say it? Kaksa. Just kidding. Just said it in Russian. <laughs> I just said, how do you, the beginning of how do you say in Russian? Because our friends, they'd always be like trying to talk to us. And then they'd say, how do you say blah, 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 blah. And then we learned how to say. How do you say it? Never mind. Um, <laughs> like, okay, so like a piece of pie. If I take a piece, there's less for you, right, Keelan? But the Lord's not like that, okay? And you're like, yeah, duh. But we live our lives like he is, okay? And he's not. He's not. He is unlimited, okay? So if I fear the Lord... And I want to, then if I fear him, then I'm going to want to be like him. Yes. Cause I'm, I'm standing there. I'm like, oh, you are, you're it, God, you're it. You know, I'm selling everything I have to be like you. Um, I fear him enough. Then I understand that there is enough resources to go around for, for me to truly ask for all of those things and to not be like, well, I can only ask for some, you know, I can only ask the Lord for some things, but it's like, no, the God is a God of abundance and his kingdom is everywhere. And his kingdom is the kingdom that rules the earth. Yeah. So why wouldn't I ask for it all? Everything of the Lord in exchange for everything that I am. Instead of waiting for my God to come that doesn't exist and then missing Jesus. I don't want to miss Jesus. Can you... Like, it might not seem like a big deal right now to miss Jesus, but what about, like, when you're standing in front of him, and you're like, God, where were you? He was like, I was right there, and you were right there, looking the other direction, because I was waiting for my God to show up, my little G God. You guys know what I'm saying when I'm saying my God now? 
that's terrifying. I don't want to miss Jesus because he looks different than I thought he might. So now's the time to go back in scripture and be like, this God, this is God. And is that in scripture, this is God. And is that the God that I have sold my life to? Or have I sold my life to something else? Then I need to figure that out very quickly so that I do not miss Jesus. Okay. And if you're scared to walk up to somebody on the street and share the gospel, cool. It doesn't matter. If you spend enough time with the Lord and you watch him give you words and you ask for wisdom and discernment to see brokenness and how to respond to it, then it's not about like working up the nerves to go share the gospel with somebody. It's I'm oozing out Holy Spirit and it just, I'm just having a conversation with somebody and now they see the Lord too. And it's not something that you have to even think about or work up the nerve to do. Okay. And my whole life is like responding to Jesus. And now I'm going to talk about like the difference of responding and reacting. Like what's the first thing you think of when you think of reacting? My house is on fire. Yeah. Defense, not thinking my house is on fire. Should that be the way I'm like, okay, well, let's just talk, throw out some more. Fight or flight. Uh, what? Fight or flight. Fight or flight. What, wait, what'd you say? Freeze me to the first me. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So if a frisbee's coming at my face, am I going to react or am I going to respond to it? Yes. A response is something that's thought out. A response is something that has depth to it. And a response is something that is respectful of the person you're responding to. And that is like thinking about a response to an RSVP, you know, like I'm giving you an answer, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm giving you my yes. Um, and reacting is more like instinct, which is like all what you guys all said. Um, if a frisbee's coming at my face, I don't have time to think about how I'm going to respond. I just react. It's just something that I just automatically do. And if I'm living my life reacting to, well, I can't really, I can't really react to God. You know, like I, if you really know God and if you're actually seeking the Lord, you can't just react. You know, it's a reacting and okay, I'm going to get back to my notes because now I'm <laughs> getting too far off. <laughs> um, but there's a difference between responding and reacting. So the responding is, is thoughtful and careful and respectful and there's a depth to it and reacting is more instinct. And I want to be responding to the Lord constantly. I'm in constant communication with the Lord. I'm, he's right here all the time and I'm constantly responding to him. Why? Because there's so much depth to him. Even if I'm like, God's not saying anything. You think that there's not more depth of him for you to know just because he's not speaking to you, quote unquote, just because you're not seeing what you think you should be seeing. So you're like, well, I guess I'm in a dry spot. No, there's always more depth of God to be known always until you're in heaven. And then there's more <laughs> that we can't reach on earth. Yeah, there's always more, okay? So I should be constantly responding to the Lord with my life, giving him praise. When he asks, what do you want, Madison? I'm like, well, God, first, just let me praise you for all these things you've already done. You know, that's a response to the Lord. If I'm responding to the Lord and I'm responding to the things he's doing around me, then these things have a, then my life, has a depth to it. My words have a depth to them and my actions and they're, they're thought out and they're, they're wise from the Lord instead of just reacting to the world constantly, just reacting. This, this hits and now I'm like just trying to dodge it and just stay above water until, until the wave dies down a little bit and then it swallows me up again and I just have to figure out how to react again and just constantly treading water. That's miserable. 
it's miserable. So I need to spend my life responding to the Lord instead of reacting to the world. And I do that by spending enough time with him to know what he freaking sounds like and looks like and acts like and what he doesn't sound like and look like and asking those questions. Am I creating a God that doesn't exist? And am I serving a God that doesn't exist? And have I truly laid down everything that I am and and then in response, ask the Lord to fill me with everything that he is? Or do I just lay certain things down and then just kind of like slowly pick them back up later, you know, when I, when I need to fill my life a little bit. Does this make sense? God was pleased with Solomon when he asked. He's going to be pleased with us too. We just have to freaking ask for everything that the Lord is. Ask for it. And not to make our lives better. Solomon literally listed off all the things the Lord has done for him and praised him for those things and was like, but how could I, how could I minister better to your people? How could I show your people you better? Oh, if I had wisdom. So maybe Lord, please give me wisdom. It's because he feared the Lord and he spent enough time with him to know him. How could he know to ask for wisdom if he didn't know the Lord was wise? So if I'm not spending time with the Lord, if I don't know who the Lord is, then I can't ask for those things. Because then those things will be things that I just want to fluff up my own life. So if you're at the point where you're like, yeah, I really know the Lord and I, I want to look like him and I want to do the things he's doing, then, then yeah, then I'm going to ask for those things. But if you're like, I don't even know what to ask for, great, that's okay. Spend time with the Lord and deconstruct that God that you created and let God show you who he really is from scripture. And stop getting frustrated with God. That's all I have. Sorry for it. I think you should. No? I can't. I can't. I can't. It is rainy. Okay. Lord, I just pray that we would stop um, searching for things that aren't you, and that we would stop holding on to things that aren't you, and that you would give us the boldness. Um, Lord, that you would just give us the boldness to, and just the, the courage, I guess, that you would give us the courage to really sit with these things and, and take the time to ask you to show us who you truly are. I know we say that a lot, God, but nothing man-made. And I pray that you would reveal anything that's man-made in our lives. And they would deconstruct it tonight before we go to bed, God, that it would be on the forefront of our minds. And that you would in, in turn also show us the ways that we're living that are serving those man-made things, those man-made ideas. Lord, would you just wrap us up in this, in those new things that are that are truly you. And how to line my life up according to those things, Lord. Even if it means doing some hard things, letting go of some hard things. God, I pray that, that none of it would matter, God. That we would, we would just increase our fear of you so much that, that we're left with no choice at the end of the day. We're like, I have no choice, Lord, but to just respond to this calling that you've, that you've called my heart into your family, Lord. that every ounce of us would respond to every ounce of you, God. And that every single day, God, we would know more and more of your heart and then ask for more and more of your heart. And you would give us the boldness and the courage to ask.
God, I pray that you would make our hearts look like mother's hearts and father's hearts that are just modeled straight after yours. And not trying to piece things together from here and there, Lord, but just from you, just from your kingdom, just from your word, nothing else, God. God, would you just forgive us for creating these things that aren't from you, for serving these things that are not from you, for giving our lives to things that are not from you. And would you forgive us for being frustrated with you when it was not due you? You were not due frustration. Lord, would you forgive us? And I pray that we would fall in love with parts of you that we never even knew existed, Lord. That you would place an urgency on our hearts to know the depths of you. That it would not be a tomorrow thing, Lord, but that, that it would be an urgent, like, I need, I need to know God right now. Would you remove all confusion from that, Lord, all, all frustration, all confusion, Lord, and just the simplicity of, of being your son, the simplicity of being your daughter, and in turn, the things that are inherited to us because of that. And Lord, as these things come up, would you give us grace? Would you give us the grace and the strength to lay those things down and to just walk with you? To walk in the opposite direction. Jesus, we just pray all this in your name. Amen. Thank mm -hmm. you.